Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. I'm going to warn you. <laughs> uh, I, lost, I didn't lose a daughter. I brought a daughter to camp to do STC yesterday. I'm a grandfather. <laughs> I, I know, I'll just cry now and it, it, it'll be over. Um, but just, it's, you know, <laughs> my kids laugh at me. Every family movie, I'm a basket case. Because it's just, you know, my family was, it was weird. I had like some great years and then I had this like so incredibly dysfunctional time in my life. And it's just, you know, family has become so valuable. And whether you had a father that was amazing or a father that was challenging or no father at all, um, God is the ultimate father. And we we got to go there every time. Um, If we get caught up in who our earthly fathers are and how they've interacted or not interacted or been absent, um, we can really harm ourselves and really get stuck. Um, so I just appreciate the, the music this morning. I don't know, I, I just I appreciate the team that's been able to fill in. I, I know that they, they're just getting used to the, how things go down, and it's, you know, I throw stuff at them last minute. Oh, we're doing this now, and this is happening, and they, they really handled it well. So I don't know if you appreciated them. I mean, I did. Um, this morning we're following up. We're doing a second part. Uh, first part last week was um, The Power of Your Thoughts. This is part two, and um, I just want you to join me. The enemy wants to keep us distracted, and uh, because it is Father's Day, you know, we, our plans, right? We're all thinking about what's happening this afternoon, and all the wives are like, oh, lunch, and, da, 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 and the kids, and, uh, but it's like, let's just take a moment, and, uh, you know, I think we're prepared in a great way musically, but now let's mentally come before our Lord honor him, worship him, as we hear from his word. So pray with me, please. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. So thankful for how faithful you are to your children. Lord, as a father, it's it's humbling, because I know I cannot ever compare. But it's also an encouragement, Lord, that you are my father, and you will provide And you will perfect. And you will accomplish what is needed in my life. Lord, as we come before you this morning, we humble our hearts. We humble our minds. Lord, we surrender to you now. So that you can flow into us through your spirit. That you can transform our hearts, transform our minds to be more like Christ, to be the sons and the daughters that you knit and designed us to be. Lord, we honor you. We worship you. We praise you now. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, Last week, we kind of started off, and we'll start off in the same place. Solomon, Proverbs 4.3. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And 
we get challenged with that, I think, especially as Westerners. You're like, what do you mean? When we think about heart, we think about romance, we think about emotional, we think about things that are almost out of our control, and that's not what's really being discussed here. Uh, Solomon's talking about the inner man, who we really are. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, in, in evangelistic circles, there's the 12-inch the problem that so many people talk about. And what that really means is, is sometimes we can get our head around God. We can understand him logically. Uh, we can understand the detail that's there. But it stays here. And it needs to come here to our heart. Who we really are. The, the seat of our design. Because if, if our Christian walk is just in our head, it's easy to just get caught up in going through the motions. You know, I go to church, so that makes me okay, or I give and so that I'm all right, and you know, I, I serve in a soup kitchen, or I you know, help my neighbor out, or we get caught up in what we're doing, and that's our Christian walk. God wants to transform our heart and our soul. And it starts here. See, because we've got to surrender. That's, that's why I surrender, grow, and tell. We've got to surrender mentally that whatever the Lord says, however the Lord leads, whatever his word directs us to do is truth. And we struggle with it. Because it is not, you know, God's, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And we come up against them and we struggle with them. Now, last week, we looked at three things. Your interpretations influence your situations. Your impressions influence your explanations. Your beliefs influence your behavior. Those are all outside messages that kind of come in and how we process them and what they do in our life. This week, we're looking at three different things. They're internal messages. And we all have them. Your self-talk influences your self-perception. Your attitudes influence your abilities. Your imagination influences your aspirations. It's easy to kind of think about what goes on outside and how it kind of comes at us. We do pretty well with that. But we struggle on the inside, don't we? We can put on a good face and we can, we can play a good game, but sometimes we can be so much in upheaval internally because of either what we're saying about ourselves how we're processing those outside messages, and our minds go and go and go and go, and we struggle, and we get frustrated. Your self-talk influences your self-perception. Now, because it's Father's Day, I'm going to have a Father's Day thought with each of my points. Because it's like, I, you have to do something on Father's Day. Now, God led me to do this power of thought thing. He did not challenge me to do anything different this week. So that's what I'm doing to make this more Father's Day. So Father's Day thought with this point. Every father should remember that one day his children will follow his example instead of his advice. We can say all the right things, but our kids watch. 
and what we do and how we live is how they're going to pattern their life. So that's our Father's Day thought for, the, for this point. Your self-talk influences your self-perception. Now, I stumbled upon a neat story. There's a training supervisor for a gas company. He's got his young recruit with him. And they're going through different neighborhoods, and they're checking meters, and they're doing what has to happen. And they get to the end of this one street, and uh, the older guy's feeling a little bit lively, and he's like, hey, I'll challenge you to a race back to the truck. And the younger guy says, hey, yeah, all right, you're on. You're on, old man. I can probably take you pretty good. So they didn't know. But inside the last house, this lady saw these two show up, and they're like, What's, what are these guys doing? And they had their uniforms on, so she realized they were gas people, and they were you know, reading the meters and whatever. But then all of a sudden, she sees them take off running. So they're, they're running, and they're neck and neck, and they finally get to the truck, and all of a sudden, they hear this person behind them huffing and puffing, and, <laughs> and they turn around, and they're like, what's wrong, ma'am? And she said, well, I saw two guys from the gas company, and they were looking around my house, and when they started running, I figured the best thing I should do is start running too, because who knows what was about to happen. <laughs> gas company people. Self-talk influences your self-perception. If I want to live, I better run with the gas company. <laughs> if I want to die, I can just stay here. Proverbs 23.7, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What's your self-talk like inside your head, day in and day out? When you walk into a room full of strangers, what's going on in your head? What are you trying to accomplish? When you walk into work each week, what's going on in your head? Because what we say on inside, it shows up. It comes out. And God wants us to trust who he says we are and not what we believe we are oftentimes. See, last week, you know, we looked at all these messages that we got and how we kind of interpret them, process them, all that. And this week we're looking at the inside and kind of how it messes with us, really. Because sometimes we believe things that are lies about us. We're worthless. We're unwanted. Nobody cares. We're annoying, we're too loud, we're too soft, we're too this, we're too that. And then the self-talk starts. And I find it, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit later, but it's like I find it so amazing how we believe the negative stuff about us so much easier and so much, quick, so much quicker than the positive. You know, oh, you're a great speaker, oh, you're a you know, great singer, oh, you know, you're so organizer, oh, you're so whatever. And we're, we're not as quick to believe those things about us as we are, oh, you're so loud, or oh, you're so annoying, or oh, you're so critical. Those things we take, and they start moving in our head. James Allen takes this thought this way, thought from Proverbs. He who would be useful, strong, and happy must cease to be a passive receptacle for the negative, beggarly, and impure streams of thought. And as a wise householder commands his servants and invites his guests, so must he learn to command his desires and to say with authority what thoughts he shall admit into the mansion of his soul. What are you letting in to your life? And we have to realize that we've got to come to the reality that 
everything we allow in says something to us. And we've got to combat it. I mean, Solomon says, guard your heart. I mean, that's a little stronger than, you know, oh, be careful. No, guard your heart. I mean, that gives you that kind of Buckingham Palace thing, right? There's people out there. There's no admittance unless I let you in. And we have got to be equally as strong with what comes into our life. And, you know, the world in which we live, there is so much passive influence that we don't even realize. And the world capitalizes on that. Billboards, ads, all that kind of stuff. You know, we thought YouTube, oh, we're finally ad-free. Not anymore. Right? They have figured out, it's not, you know, yeah, you can skip it in five seconds, but you're going to get five seconds of it. You know, because, oh, we might suck you in for the whole thing. Other, th- other places, too. We look, you know, Facebook. They've got all those side ads because they're trying to get your attention. They're trying to call out to you. The world wants our mind because it knows it'll reach our heart eventually. And our passions will become of the world. And our heart will become of the world. And God says, no. Guard your heart. Give it to me. Let me direct it. Because the world wants to destroy. But God, God wants to build up. He wants to perfect He wants to mature. He wants to provide everything that we need. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And we struggle with that as Christians because part of the head knowledge is we remember all the junk. We remember the mistakes. We remember the things that we've done that we regret. And the enemy wants us to believe that that's who we really are. And we've got to combat that. We are not our past. Those are just events. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, new person, not partially, not upgraded, not remanufactured, new. That's why it's called born again. Born again doesn't give you the idea of remanufactured, does it? No. All new. And we've got to come to that realization. But it's got to go from our head to, yes, that is who I am. Otherwise, we're going to just struggle and struggle and struggle. Because when we keep it in our head, we haven't believed it in our heart. And I know that sounds a little like, all right, what are you trying to say here? Well, let's see. Colossians 3, 9 through 11 gives us this instruction. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. We're housing the Lord every day. And I don't know, for me, it comforts me. 
Because for years, I lived isolated. I lived in a place where it was just me against the world, and I was trying to survive, and I felt alone. And even as a Christian, you can come to that place where you can be in a room like this, surrounded by people, and feel completely alone because you've isolated yourself because of things that you believe and lies that you've allowed to replace the truth about who you are in Christ. See, what goes on in our head makes a difference. And we can't let the lie dominate. We've got to battle it with truth. Your self-talk influences your self-perception. So reinforce truth and not the lies of the enemy. It's only going to hurt you. Secondly, or technically fifthly, we're kind of going in order from last week. Your attitudes influence your abilities. Brought to you by this Father's Day thought. <laughs> yes, there'll be ads all along. See, there's ads everywhere, even in the sermon. Billy Sunday was a professional baseball player when he accepted Christ in who knows what year? Long time ago. 1886. <laughs> Long time ago, right? But we know of Billy Sunday even today. Pretty incredible. This is why. At the time, an older believer told Sunday that if he followed this advice, they would never write the word backslider after his name. Take 15 minutes every day to let God talk to you. Take 15 minutes every day to talk to God. And take 15 minutes every day to tell someone else about Christ. And with that advice, Billy Sunday came, became one of the most well-known evangelists of his time with three simple things. So, Father's Day thought. <laughs> this is far more funny. FBI is trying to find an assassin. So they, they go out into their ranks and they, they pull two men and one woman and they, you know, they give them some training and then their, their final test comes. So they bring the first gentleman in and they're like, you know, you've done really well and we're proud of what you've done. But this final test, you know, not everybody can make it through this, but hopefully you can. And, you know, they, they hand him a gun, and uh, they said, you know, this is loaded. We want you to go in there and kill who's in there. And the guy's like, well, who's going to be in there? He's like, well, your wife's in there. And the guy's like, oh, I can tell you right now, I don't need to walk in that room. I can't, I can't do that. I, I can't go in there and kill my wife. Like, all right, well, you know, we, we completely understand. So, you know. You're dismissed, you know, go back to your assignment, and, uh, you know, sorry it didn't work out. Bring the next guy up, and, the, you know, same thing goes down. You know, you made it so far, we're really proud of you. You know, here's a gun, it's loaded. Uh, you, you have to go through this metal door, and you have to kill the person that's on the other side. And the guy's like, okay, you know, and he goes in and realizes, oh, it's my wife. Five minutes go by, and then not a sound is heard. He comes back out, and he's just, oh, Overwhelmed, he's like, I, I just, I can't, I can't do this. And so they said, well, we, we completely understand. Not everybody can. So, you know, you're dismissed. You go back to your assignment. So they bring this, the last person. They're like, oh, well, we'll see where this goes. And I said, all right, here's the deal. We're going to give you a gun. You've got to go into this room behind this metal door, and you've got to kill your husband. She's like, wow. So she goes in. The door closes. All kinds of shots are heard, all kinds of banging and clanging, and it was just, it was crazy. 
The door opens a few minutes later. The woman's sweat's pouring off her. And she's like, this gun was full of blanks. I had to kill him with the chair. <laughs> yeah. Your attitude influences your abilities. <laughs> it was just a test. It wasn't for real. But she thought it was for real. <laughs> Winners expect to win. Our perception controls more than we realize. Our attitudes make a huge difference in our life. It's interesting, interesting note. Um, it is said that of Muhammad Ali's whole career, uh, he lost two fights. And they have researched different things, and this is supposedly, they say, that they have, you know, they looked at interviews before the fights, and of the two that he lost, um, he, the words he uttered was, if I were to lose this fight. And of the two that he lost, that's what was said in his pre-fight interview. So attitude makes a difference. What goes on in our head makes a difference. But what is happening in our heart is truth. And we have got to let Christ permeate our heart. And a lot of times we give Christ our head. We try to anyway. You know, we try to get into the word. We try to allow the word to get into us. And we try to fulfill. And we try. And that's all us. And that's why, you know, one of the first things we ask people to do as believers is surrender to the Lord. Um, I know we, we sing a, a song here every once in a while, you know, I raise the white flag, right? I surrender all to you, all for you. And sometimes we think we surrender, but our heart wars against God's truth. Our heart wars against God's word. And we know what's supposed to happen, but oftentimes we don't do what's supposed to happen. Because of our attitude. It affects what we do. And, and you know, we, sometimes we think, oh, well, yeah, I, I've got a bad attitude. I, I know I've got a bad attitude. And we think just because we've identified it, that's solving the problem. If we have a bad attitude, we need to change the attitude. We've got to let God come in and make a difference in our life. And, and I'll tell you, that it shows up so often, a couple verses, Proverbs 19.3, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. But Mark combats that with all things are possible to him who believes. Um, there's an aspect of, of counseling that is so vital, um, and that's leading someone through the act of forgiveness. And part of that is, you know, it's, it feels really mechanical, and I struggle with it, but what makes me keep doing it is the power I see in it. And, and this is what I'm talking about. Um, in this kind of canned prayer, and I wrote it down just so I wouldn't forget it, um, part of this prayer it says this. It says, I take back the ground I've allowed Satan to gain in my life 
because of my attitude with, and then you kind of plug in the person's name, and give this ground back to my Lord Jesus Christ. And, and to me, it's the power in the Lord Jesus Christ, the name that's in this prayer that I have seen give people power, power, power to move beyond things, to forgive people, to forgive instances, circumstances. But it goes back to, because we have, and these are situations in our lives that aren't our fault. You know, people offend us, people hurt us, people wound us, and we develop an attitude about it. Now that person. And we wear a badge. Well, that person wronged me, so it's, I'm justified to wrong them. They've said this to me, and I'm justified to say that about them. And we develop an attitude. Where do we see Christ doing that? Nowhere. In fact, people rejected him. People spat on him. And he compassionately interacted with them. Because that's the attitude we're supposed to have. Our attitudes influence our abilities. Because we prohibit and restrict because of what we think. Because of how we approach circumstances, how we approach situations. And we are the ones who get robbed. And the enemy is the one who goes, <laughs> I've got them. I've got a handle on them. You see, when we believe the lie, the enemy has a stronghold. He has taken up ground in your heart, not in your mind in your heart. Because that's where we believe. That's where the essence, the inner man of who we are is. It's in our heart. If you don't believe that, see what a guy will do to win over a woman. Head doesn't make sense of half of that stuff. And I think women do it too. I'm just not as savvy because I'm a man. But it's what's going on in the heart that makes a difference. And God knows that. And, and when we align with God's truth, we become a people that cannot be stopped, cannot be held back. Our abilities, I mean, you look at Gideon. You know, Gideon was so apprehensive to do what God wanted him to do. And look at how powerful the story of Gideon was, to overcome so many people with so few. His attitude changed because he believed God more than he believed his own ability. And that's where we've got to be as well. So your attitudes influence your abilities. Finally, number six, your imagination influences your aspirations. Brought to you by this Father's Day thought. A father's words are like a thermostat that sets the temperature in the house. The things that dad is focused on will become the things that his children will view as important. Paul Lewis. Dads, we have a powerful influence on our family, more than we realize. And I know we get caught up in the task, trying to take care of our family, 
trying to do what's right, try to fix all the stuff that's broken on a regular basis. And we get caught up in that. But we need to realize we set the tone. And we have a powerful, powerful, powerful impact. And I'll tell you, you know, one of my biggest offenses, and I, and I see it show up in my kids from time to time, is how we come in the door at the end of the day. You know, do we allow the whole day to come in there with us? Or are we a different person when we come in the door? And, you know, I always, you know, I, I wear things out there. I think you guys know that by now. Um, and so when I would come in the door, it's like, you know, oh, I had to share with my family the things that just kind of, oh, whatever. And um, they pick that up. You know, I, I see my wife do it sometimes. I see my kids do it a lot. And... Um, I don't think it, for me, I don't see it was a, a healthy thing because I see kind of how it impacts them. I think it's good that they can share that stuff, but I think they struggle with life because they saw me struggle with life. And that's the first thing that comes in the door. Psalm 78.7, I love this verse. Uh, this was the verse that I used to kind of fuel the youth ministry when I was working with it. It says, the fathers, oh no, hello. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Let me repeat that. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Now, who were, the, who were the dreamers in here when you were a kid, just had crazy, wild, like, dreams about stuff? Who are those people here? Okay, cool. The fun, creative people, right? <laughs> a lot of us struggle with imagination, right? And I'm not talking about imaginary friends. I'm not talking about that kind of imagination. <laughs> I'm just talking about, you know, you were going to be this or you were going to be that. And it's just kind of what that was going to look like. And we kind of let it roll out. Why do we lose that? Why do we lose that? You know, the world robs us of it, don't they? You know, you've got to be thinking about this, you've got to be focused on that, you've got to be doing this, you've got to be doing that, and there's no time for imagination, for dreaming. I mean, I remember sitting on a football field. It was, my wife and I, when we were dating, we used to have these cool little rituals. We'd have these um, date nights, and it would, it would alternate back and forth. She would have to plan one, I would have to plan one. And this one particular night... We were in the middle of a football field. We didn't realize that it was not lit at night, so it was pitch black. And we're trying to eat subs on a blanket in the middle of this field. And some were like, but it's like, you know, after we got done eating, we were just kind of laying there, looking up at the sky, dreaming about what our life would be together. I warned you. <laughs> no excuse to be surprised. <laughs> but it's like... Dreaming of just what God was going to do. And sometimes we give up. We, we throw our hands up and think, you know, uh, it's, that was foolish child stuff and that's not... Paul had dreams. Moses had dreams. Of what God can do in a life. 
And I think we sell ourselves short when we think all we have to do is live it out. Make it to the end. That's not what God wants. There's so much vitality to be had in the process. And when we lose our imagination of what God can do and how he can change our hearts and how he can motivate us to change the world for him, that's what he's asking us to do. And the cool thing is, every person in here is gifted differently, and he wants that because it's necessary and it's required to change the world one soul at a time. But we've got to have our imaginations enlightened by what God can do. If you haven't seen a miracle lately, it's because you haven't even thought about thinking about one. To me, every time that someone comes to Christ, it's a miracle. Because this world has a stranglehold and has put a veil over their eyes to not see Christ, to not hear his name, and to not understand what's available. And it's a miracle when that happens to me. And there is more than that that can happen. But we have got to let the world fade away like a fog and let Christ be our focus. Let his truth be our guide. Let his word be the path that we are following. Not in our head, but with our heart. Yielded with our heart completely. I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to experience God's presence. I want to feel his spirit surging through me, accomplishing incredible things, not for my glory, for his. When we see God using us, and I'm blown away. I have conversations with people all the time, and they'll you know, say things back to me, and, you know, oh, you said this or you said that, and I'm thinking, I said that? But it's the Spirit working through me. And when we are yielded to God, surrendered to Him, growing in Him, telling others about Him, He uses us. But we've got to let the imagination run wild of what can God use me for. And not just settle into our role. Not just be comfortable with, I'm a this or I'm a that. God wants so much more for us. Proverbs 19, I'm sorry, 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Doran Gray says this, vision is the God-inspired ability to see a future that does not yet exist but should. Can you imagine if we took Lester for Christ? and then Charlton, and then Spencer, and then Rutland, and then Barry. Can you imagine that? What it would look like? How we would do it? Use your imagination. What would it be like if just like a, a ripple effect started to happen where Christ was being spoken, lives were being changed, Romans 12.2 challenges us this way. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have got to transform our mind so it aligns with the truth of who we are in our heart. We are new creations. Behold all things. Not a few, not some, not only the broken parts. All things have passed away. All things are new. God has made us new people. And we need to live that way. Your imagination influences your aspirations. Last story, and then we'll be done. Toothpaste Company was frustrated because their name was being besmirched because boxes were being sent with no tubes in them. And people were like, oh, they gyp you. And so the, the president said, oh, we've got to solve this problem. We want to have a good name. We want to be a good company. And so he, you know, with an $8 million budget, he has all these people come in and they go through all the motions and they, you know, months and months go by and they finally come up, we, we've got this perfect situation where it's the scale and it's going to weigh them and it'll remove them and bells will go off and you can come over and remove all of these empty bo boxes and every time boxes go out, they'll have tubes in them. And so all went by and the, you know, they stayed on budget, they stayed on track with the timing and all that kind of stuff and they put in this $8 million scale at the end of the, the toothpaste factory thing. And you know, they start going through and whoop, yep, first thing, empty box, ding, 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 ding. You gotta go over, push the button, get rid of the box, all that kind of stuff. So oh, the president's finally relieved. So he's kind of watching everything and he's like, oh yeah, look at that, they caught this many. Oh yeah, they caught this many. And at the end of the month, he realized, uh-oh, we're down to zero again. What, what's going on? So he's concerned. He's, he's like, oh, something must be wrong with this $8 million scale. So he goes down to the, the manufacturing plant, and he, he goes down to this section, and he sees a fan blowing on the line, and boxes are blowing into this bin. And so he goes and gets somebody. He's like, what, what's going on with the fan? He's like, well, basically, Bert, the uh, maintenance guy, got sick of walking over here every time the bell went off and reset the machine. So he just put the fan there, and it would blow the empty boxes off, and only ones that had enough weight to pass by would pass by. Eight million dollars. <laughs> he had imagination. <laughs> and it affected what he could do. Dream for God. And I don't say that in a pie-in-the-sky, quirky way. We have a miraculous God. And he can do incredible things. But he wants us to be on board with him. He doesn't want to just show up and do what we want to do. He wants us to be on board with him and go to where he's working and be a part of that. So I hope this week you get to experience that in your walk with him. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word and the fact that it does change our thinking. It does transform our mind. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. That you've not just let us run loose with no direction. Father, you provided all that we need. And we want to honor you this morning with that. And we want to honor you as Father. Abba, Father. You are not some, some distant God who doesn't want any relationship. Lord, you are a personal, intimate holy, righteous God who wants a relationship with us.
May we go out and show that relationship to others so that they would hunger for it, that they would question us for that hope that is within us. We thank you now in Christ's name. Amen.